and say, hey, look, we are tired of this money down. So, you know, let's see how we can mobilize the other side. Because if you leave the board alone, especially if the manager is their friend. And that is where we also talk about, it. we use a term, you know, which was borrowed from what? You know, how do you spell cronies? Yeah, cronies, right? Yeah. So we talk, we talk about cronies. A situation where you, 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 the manager is hired, but the manager is a friend to them. But we have few managers, you know, in the country, right? The manager is a friend to the board. Do you get it, please? Then it becomes a problem. So those who will be suffering will be those on the, the other side. But then among them, it has to take one, an active manager to come up, to mobilize shareholders. So, but then those inactive ones over there will go along with whatever the manager does. Do you get a place? Yes. Good. So, Sir, I, I, I was getting confused here. So then, shareholders are yes. a bit different from the board in terms of their roles. When you say active shareholders, my thinking was um, on the owners of the company, the board. So you could see there are several committees at times. So you could see a shareholder chairing a certain committee in the organization, maybe the procurement committee, obviously, then you know there's a committee on the board that chairs that. Obviously, these are people with interest. So I wanted to understand active shareholders, active board members, are they the same rules? Do they do the same thing? As for board members, they're always active. Board board members are always, even yeah, if they are dependent or independent. Yes. But then, within the board members, there are committees. So that's where you have audit committee, you're going to have a um, legal committee, you can have investment committee. You can, you can say, yes, sir. These are within the board members. Of course, they see the, I mean, maximum quarterly running of the company. They are more informed than the 70% in my illustration here. Do you get it, please? At the 70%, before they can be informed on the company's performance, unless at ATM, annual general meeting. Do you get it, please? Yes. Then we ask ourselves within the minority shareholder, who are those active ones and who are those inactive ones? Okay. Do you get it, please? As for the board members, I mean, there's no much worry about them when it comes to the manager. But the question is, would the board members also serve the interests of the minority shareholders? Do you get it, please? The board members, once the manager is doing something and it favors them, they go along with it. In fact, that has been the trend. Should a board member be a shareholder? Well, the structure is that you can only have an independent board member who, are, who is not a shareholder. But even that one, your influence is very, very minimal. I've been a, an independent board member of one of the companies, the dynamics. But then, you, you will say something, right? <laughs> you have your seat. You have your seat, but it won't be you know, something that will be implemented. So what you, you, you normally do is that you ensure that whatever you say is captured in a minute. You go up to him, In this days an era where your commitment level is high, your liability level is high, right? When the company is in trouble, it might go beyond, you know, your, just your interest in the company. You have to make sure that whatever, you know, you contribute at meetings is captured. 
You got it, please. Yes, right. So effectively, then some active shareholders have tried to influence management, but they will not win. But the only means they can win is to mobilize proxy votes. That's how it's illustrating. You get it, please? Yes. So in that space, I mean, it's quite kind of a game. So some of the monitors, as I mentioned earlier, you know, monitors are called for because managers may not act in the shareholders' best interest. So we can have inside the company monitors. Inside the company monitors. That is where we are board of directors. But another question, like I said, is the board serving the interests of the minority shareholders, right? Then we have outside the company's monitors. So the outside monitors, that is where we have the auditors. We have analysts following the company, you know, making sure that information is bridged between what is happening in the company and the public. You got it, please? And the shareholders. Bankers. Why do you think the bank will be a monitor to a company?
We have very good financing. Economy, companies that's work, and economies grow. Do you get it, please? So, the attorneys can have right to require some information from what? The company. Do you get it, please? They might have what? Some, you know, legal backing to require some information from what? The company. And for having that information, it might what? Spill over to the minority shareholders or the public, for those who have what? Might have interest in the company. Then the government also serves as a monitor. Why would the government have interest in a company? Yes. The interest of the government taxes. So the government uses right? Sec is now what? No, cigar is different from sec. Outside and then other monitors. 
other money times will be threat of takeover. This is very, very important in a part where, I, I think I explained that to you last time, where government can intentionally sponsor some companies who are prepared to take over other companies that are not doing well on the stock exchange by buying more shares in that company. So if that mechanism is in place, then once they buy, they are buying more shares, right? Once they, are, they buy more shares, they will change the management. Because as the manager, you sit down your company's share price keeps on dropping, right? Any other owner that will take over will change you. So there's that threat of more change. Do you get it, please? And as a result of that, it makes the managers what? Sit up. Sir, please, is it threats or threats? Threats. It's of takeover. Then I think we have to spell it well. Okay? It's threats of what? Takeover. Yes, madam. Please, how does media come in? Uh, media plays a role. Yeah, that's a very good question to ask. The media has a role to play. But then we are looking at the direct, you know, information that the media will give to shareholders to serve their interest. Yeah, in any case, the media can unravel information on it, you know. So that is where we have, if you have a media that has very good analysts following the shares of the company, right? Following the shares of the company, then the media is playing a role. You know what I'm saying, please? Yes. We have a media that has a very good financial and economic desk. Analysts, serious analysts, who will go and follow you know, the company's activities. Then we can categorize them down here as part of these outside monitors. You get it, please? And then we have what we call market stakeholders. Or market forces. Market forces has to do with competition. If there's competition, managers are elect, right? And then stakeholders could be the environment, could be other, you know, um, people who have interest in the company, yeah. but not direct beneficiaries of what the company is process. Right? If they are also active, you know, about the company. Creditors. So creditors with my good banks and the creditors. Bankers and the creditors. And then we have employees. Now the society at large can also serve as monitors to the company. Now, why do you think the society will serve as monitors to the company? The society is also part of the monitors of the company. Why? Yes, sir. of the company, the product that you are churning out, are they good product? If they are good product, then there's a tendency of sustainability, right? And as a result of sustainability, the shareholder will continuously get what? His what? You know, fair share of the, of the, of the, of the company's proceeds. Do you get it, please? So effectively, it's, so if a company exists, don't look at the companies as, you know, a com the company as a company that will benefit only a 
the financiers. Okay. <coughs> Look at a company. As a company that will benefit, you know, the stakeholders in general. That's why last time I indicated to you that you can have a company that is financially viable, right? That might not necessarily be economically viable. If a company is economically viable, then it has to satisfy all these, you know, indicators on there. Do you get it, please? Financial viability only goes with companies that satisfy its financiers, shareholders, and creditors. Finished. But is that the way to go? Then that, might, that company might not necessarily be sustainable. Right? But for a company to stay for long, to satisfy shareholders' interests, like you're saying, while government says 15 years and above to hold shares. Then in that case, that company must work, make sure that it satisfies all these monitors, okay, to ensure that they benefit. Then we can have international monitoring. That those are the regulations, international best practices that companies must adapt. The accounting standards that companies must adapt, right? If you are producing, but then you must produce to a certain level. Um, if you are into real estate, you realize that you are, you, are, you are building to a certain specifications. Do you get it, please? Then all these can serve as what? Monitoring that can help the shareholder realize its proceeds from the company. Is that clear, please? Yes, sir. Right. So, important difference occurs between the types of monitoring and incentives used among countries due to different compensation contracts, different accounting standards. Different institutional investing environments, bank oriented or capital oriented markets, different legal environment. If a, a, a market is bank oriented, Ghana is bank oriented. Chunk of all our transactions goes to the bank. Unlike those days, sorry, other parts of the world where chunk of or transmission of funds, right, can go to the financial market. So if you take America for instance, they are market-oriented economy. It's not every development, developed world that is market-oriented. Germany is bank-oriented. For Germany, funds flows to the bank more often times than the, the exchange or the stock market. But in America, it is one, more of one, you know, uh, bank-oriented economy. And then the different legal environment can also you know, bring about different monitoring. So Anglo-Saxon countries such as the US or the UK, stock ownership is often dispersed. And individual shareholders tend to have limited incentives and ability to monitor the monitor. So when the stockholders are dispersed, right, individual shareholders' ability to monitor you know, the management becomes limited, like I was explaining to you. Do you get it, please? So sometimes management, managers who want to pick up companies goes to look at the shareholders' concentration. If the concentration is so high, you don't pick jobs with them. Do you get it, please? Yes. So, major conflict between powerful managers and small outside shareholders. That is what I was discussing here. So 
was an outside shareholder, the powerful money that they were sitting with a bond. In Japan, most of the Southeast Asians, right, country, South, Southeast Asian countries, common governance, you know, devices include business groups with their pyramidal and cross ownership structures. Now, over there in that part of Asia, what they came out from the communist system. So their shareholdings are in blocks. They are in what? Blocks. blocks. So as if, they don't, if, if a group wants to own shares, right, they can have maybe 10% shares in a company. It becomes difficult for managers to misbehave. And then in China, for instance, because most of the companies were being owned by the state, now they try to soften their stance coming into the typical you know, market-oriented you know, uh, system. So what they're doing is that they have started allowing different groups to own shares in the companies. So maybe government will have 60%, 40% split between one group and the other. So 2020 could be. Okay? So effectively, you have group interest in the company. And when it happens like that, you know, it is difficult for management to, be, to misbehave. But in the UK and all those, they are not like that. UK and the US. What they do is that they even provide incentives. They have, it's more of market oriented. They open up a system for shares to be owned by even households. You get it, please? And individuals. So when it happens like that, the manager knows very well that. How, when, at what point in time would all these people come together to take a decision on me? Do you get it, please? Uh -huh. So even if you have board members, the board members will not own more than 10% in those environments. Unlike China, they do block ownership. In Asian countries, they do block ownership. And block ownership, you know, controls managers very well. Okay? So those are the international dynamics of Something on the so in sub Saharan African countries, firms are mostly held by institutional block, block uh, owners. So, in Ghana, for instance, the stock market that you see there, companies that are listed are owned by most of the insurance companies. They put you know, life insurance companies, pensions, and all those there. So, that's a form of block ownership. Yes, individuals have not grown understand the market very well. That is a problem we have in Ghana. And last time I was illustrating to you that we jumped to the stock, stock market. We should have built our bond market very well before we go on to the stock market. Right? So that individuals will gradually work their appetite for the investment that will put their investment in more risk, you know, as, as let's put it, exposures that other investment they might have. Okay. So this is what is happening in Africa, which Ghana is not far from that. Right, so corporate governance, waiting with shareholders are assured, you know, assure themselves of getting a return on their investment. Now, the perspective of the shareholder value is commitment by corporate insiders to credibly what return funds to outsiders. Who are those corporate insiders? Board members are corporate insiders. They must commit, right, to ensure that they bring returns to what? Corporate outsiders. Those are the minority shareholders. 
through that coverage outside. Do you get it, please? So effectively, the commitment is important. Commitment is important. So we need to understand that when the company does not return to shareholders, there's a likelihood of having what we call agency problem. Right? Agency problem. The agency problem is when one or more persons employ one or more other persons, agents, to perform some task. And then primary agency relationship exists between you know, shareholders and managers, which we'll discuss at length. But then there could also be relationship between managers and creditors. And so managers are torn in between. And that brings about the creditors are where you borrowed funds from. So you are borrowing from shareholders, you are taking you know, funds from shareholders as a manager. And then also you are, you know, borrowing on top of it. So creditors and then shareholders. So what is happening is that you know they are pulling you know the manager's interest, right? So if you do too much, so let's assume that you're paying too much for a dividend to shareholders, the creditors will not be happy. So even in some of the loan contracts, they will tell you that you must pay their interest before you start thinking about paying shareholders something. All interest must be paid. And if the company is listed and they know that you have owners, they, 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 they put in those clauses. You get it, please? They effectively to ensure that you, know, you satisfy their interest as well. And then on the side of the managers, if you are financing, sorry, on the side of the shareholders, if you are financing too much on debt, right, they know that there's a likelihood of shift in wealth to the creditors. So they also, you know, have to protect their interest. So what is happening here is as a manager, you have to make sure that you satisfy both. That is where we'll go by financing decisions. That will be possibly our next topic. Okay, of the of the company. Now, those relationships are major sources of agency problems. So management may not act in the best interest of the firms, and so therefore we can have what we call moral hazards. And when moral hazards prevail in an economy, what brings about moral hazards? Information asymmetry. Very good. So, information asymmetry brings about moral hazard. And what happens when there's moral hazard in the system? And agents within the economy, you know, get to know that there is a moral hazard. When I give you my money, there's likelihood I will not get it. Right? It means I don't have much information on what on that company or something. What happened is that investment does not flow. People don't invest. They are better off keeping their money than what? Giving it out for investment. Do you get it, please? Yes, so the economy gets stagnated. Is that clear? Yes, so that is why it is always important to disclose to a certain level. 
at least to the mandatory level. Leave that voluntary aspect. But we don't know the limit that you can go. Do you get it, please? So effectively, it is important to, you know, to bridge the information that exists between the agent and the principal. And this brings about what we call Lemon's theory. I don't know whether you are familiar with that Lemon's theory. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What is that Lemon's theory? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can play with it uh, with a scenario or something. Yes. So, so using, um, I think that was by George Hackenhoff. Um, um, George, George Hackenhoff made, made mention of the used cars kind of um, scenario. Yeah. Yes. Where he, in, in, in an imperfect market, obviously, um, due to lack of information. And so then, there are, there, so we have people who need um, the high level cars. Yeah. But that because there is not a, a lot of high information in the system. In the used ma car market. The used car market. So right. then, there is a lot of used cars in the system. And buyers are, uh, buyers are really going for that based on the information available to them. And so that misinformation really is a major cause for the, um, um, this, is it that? Lemon, lemon. yeah. It's a major cause of illiquidity in the used car market, where cars can be on the state and they are not being sold for so many. Because you know the buyer does not have much information about the car, the seller has information, but then is is reluctant to release all the information. So therefore, the system will be like, okay, take your car, I take my money. You get it, please. Mm -hmm. That's what happens in an economy where you have asymmetry information all the time. You know, I take my money and then take your uh, investment. I'm not bringing my money. You get it, please. Yes. So as a result of that. The economy will not grow. No, it won't grow. That is why some of these things need to be discouraged. And that is why Bank of Ghana will come in and one day they will just sweep all the other companies that have been the space. That's the regulator's job. Do you get a place? Yes. yes, to ensure that the right is done. So, causes of this agency problem, what causes this agency problem? You know, where the principal has hired a manager. Let me ask this question. Does, does agency problem exist in the church? Very interesting question. Let's ask a question. I think it depends on the church. Let's discuss it. The church tries on us. The church tries on agency problems. Yes, yes. Right. So you've been, there's information, huge information asymmetry yeah. at the church, concentrated at the pastor's level. And by faith, you then not go and ask. So I like that statement. He says the church tries on that. But my church has an accountability. Yes. Presby Church.
Why you don't want continuous assessment? I must assess you continuously, right? I must assess you continuously. So <laughs> you will take this. I just need one page, right? Explanation of information asymmetry in the church. Does information asymmetry exist in the church? And if it exists, what are the likely consequences? One page. I don't want more than one page. If we do all more than one page, the rest, if you are not lucky, and then your information goes to the speed of it, I won't make a Tell the Does information asymmetry exist in the church? And if it exists, what are the consequences to the church? This is a whole thing, this question. What are the consequences? The consequences. Is that a No. Individual. Okay? You want a page? I guess a page. Okay, so. So it's a, it's a subject to discuss, right? Yes. Yes. Talk about transparency. There's a likelihood that the congregation will back out or not. Possible future issues that will come out. You know. I mean, look at the dynamics and play with it, okay? And then you have to identify who is the agent and then who is the principal. All right? Do you know what I'm saying, please? Jesus Christ. Who are the shareholders and then who are the Right, okay, so separation between managers. Now, this one is bringing about my question, right? That, that, that say, who are the church owners? <laughs> so, separation between managers and owners, okay? Separation between managers and owners. And then we have shareholders dispersion, right? The more the shareholders are dispersed, right, the more the manager has incentive, right, to misbehave, right, to not to serve to the interest of the shareholders. But he's thinking about at what point can they come together to take a decision. You get it, please. So that dispersion can create, you know, um, um, agency problems, okay? And then separation between owners and managers. Some shareholders don't even know their managers, right? The managers take decisions which are not in line with the goal of maximizing stockholders. And what they do is that they normally work less eagerly and benefit themselves with terms of salaries and perks. So look at the manager who has incentive to be traveling to Dubai every Sunday, right? Every weekend. Go on Friday, come Sunday evening, Monday is at work. Right? So, close the laptop and go, yes. And you ask yourself, at what point is it going to reflect on the company? Do you get it, please? And then, what will be the cost if, in case you have a manager who works less in Italy? benefit himself with you know, some facts. So there will be an agency cost, right? And that agency cost will build up into reduction in 
share prices. Why would it build up into the reduction of the share prices? If I know that the managers are not doing very well, I'll sell my shares, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Yes. And if I sell my shares, somebody also sees that I've sold my shares. The person also sells. Right? So you see a continuous one selling of shares. And then price will, there will be no demand. Do you get it? The price will fall. And I noticed this thing in 2013. Right? Anybody who is descended finance, right, will tell you that UT Bank was doing well, but then at the point in time, you know, they got grounded. To the extent that their share price dropped to a level where it never went up again. Now I came to Ghana 2012, right? So let's see. Monitoring UT Bank, you know, trying to get some shares in there. Right? I saw something like this on the share price. This is price and stats, right? So when it got here, for all the years it stayed here, share price got to a level where it wasn't going up again. You get it, please. Now, if you are sitting down, and within the same period, UT won what we call the Club 100 press <laughs> do, do you get what I'm saying, please? Then you ask yourself, what indicators went into it? Is it the shareholders' interest that went into it? Or they were just looking at some you know, balance sheet indicators? Yeah. Or they were just using the high street visibility. So what is high street? Is it PR? <laughs> of course. High street visibility. Where, you know, you see them acquiring branches and all those on the radio talking about the bank, you know. Do you know what I'm saying, please? Which indicator do they use to give them that award? So, I was sitting in my house asking myself questions. But the theory, which most people would say academics are too theoretical, okay, the theory serves as a benchmark. It serves as a guide. So the empirics or the happenings on the ground as a result of human behavior cannot be measured easily. Do you get it, please? So when you are deviating from my theory, which tells me that when the share price gets to an entropy state, you know, the entropy state is stabilized state, right? You do a bit of chemistry. This is a steady state. A state where you don't see any action taking going on. Do you get it? And for so many years, this thing was going on. So I knew that UT Bank is already dead since 2013. It's in coma, yes. Very quiet. Do you get it? I knew. But then the happenings with your structures and all those, you know, you might say, okay, fine, bank is ongoing. But then as I sit here, if I, if I was to be an employee with my knowledge in finance, I would have told you that I have to look for an executive plan, you know, within that period. Do you get it? Please? Then that problem they had wouldn't have affected them in a way. With, so they had a problem. 
Because you know you debunk that side of problem in the banking crisis. Uh, that's why I'm using them as a case on the stock prices. So that stock price, I term it a barometer, right? To detect a company's performance. A barometer to detect a company's performance. Because that tells you that the company in a short-term basis was doing well. The company was paying workers, right? It was paying, you know, their rent, wherever they occupied. Depositors, they were paying them. But then the future has been killed long ago. Do you get it? Yes. So, <laughs> and that is not a sustainable company. That is why the shareholdings, the share price has always been an ultimate target to look at a company's performance in the long term. So in America, they don't joke with those numbers. Let me tell you, America has a, in Ghana, we have something we call the, the stock exchange, we have something we call the GSC All Share Index. Mm -hmm. Very good. Because <laughs> <laughs> they say that, you know, we don't understand. <laughs> so, so we have the stock, reduced stock price. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, the costs to, to, to the company that is misbehaving, not being covered very well. Okay. So effectively, or they say that thing, but you don't understand. Let me help you to understand in a way, okay? It's, it's, come again. So the index gives you an idea about how the market performed in general. Now the stock market might have maybe car bank sitting on there, right? It might have Echo Bank sitting on there. It might have Bunzu Oil sitting on there. Right? It might have Farmer, one of the nicest, you know. Very best performance in the last. Of course. Why do you think Farmer is the best performer? I think corporate governance, fantastic there with structures, investments. Then maybe lastly, um, they have some, they have some financial. Um, 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 Right. Let me advise you. If you want to invest, right, Farmer would have been one of the best hedging companies. If you deliver a sitting down there, this was one of them, right? Any company or from any pharmaceutical company, right? Any company that produces in the direction of consumables, yeah. right? the best to hold shares in them. So in portfolio management, which I think uh, maybe if you type analysis, we can do a bit into it. What we do is that you can pick some risky investments, which you know when those risky investments, you lose, you've lost. But then when it's giving you returns, it gives you higher returns. Then you will hedge it with some of these companies. Farmer, if there's water company, then if there's water company, right? Water is essential. Drugs are essential. Another one is, you know, alcohol, beer. When people are sad, they drink beer. When they are happy, they drink beer. Do you, you get what I'm saying, please? These are companies, if they are listed, you'll never go wrong if you invest in them. 
So normally portfolio managers use them as a hedge to other risky listed companies, which can give you higher returns, right? But then they are risky. But this ones, definitely you will get something. Pharma, when the sun is on, people drink. People take pharma, isn't it? When the sun is off, not on, they still take pharma. And as far as Ghana is concerned, every day the sun is on. So they're not doing any magic. Do you get what I'm saying? It's the dynamics of the. So in the advanced world, when you go there, companies that are listed like Heinz, right? No Heinz? Yeah, big beast. Coca Cola. Do you get what I'm saying? Coca Cola. Cap. No gap what they do, jeans, works, clothing. Those are the companies because you cannot say the economy is not good, so you will make it. You will definitely cover yourself. And those companies, they are not sensitive to the economy. No. These companies I'm not talking about. You cannot say economies are not good, so you will not, you know, um, you will not you will not eat. Do you get it, please? And you will not, you cannot say economies are not good, so you won't buy paracetamol when you have headache. Do you get what I'm saying? So these companies are less sensitive to the economy. So when you have investment in them, independent of the economic dynamics, they will still return some average returns to you. Do you get what I'm saying, please? Yes. Then we have companies that are more sensitive to the economy. This is a free advice. We consultants. <laughs> companies that have that are more sensitive to the economy. So when the economies are not good, you can sacrifice not to buy a car and you still be mobile to your workplace. Do you get what I'm saying, please? So car manufacturing companies, if they are listed on the exchange, the immediately economies comes down, they are the first to be hit. You cannot say economies are not good, so you will not make a call. So if MTN is listed. Right? I'll be the first person to buy one shares in them. But then it's unfortunate the timing of entering the market is what cost them, you know, that people but they have they have made their profit already. To a point where the business has have, there's competition that has entered, right? So now you want to shed off some risk by bringing other shareholders. By the time that you had control over the space, why didn't you float? You go out saying please. So the timing of what the shares is important. Now let's come back to the index, the all share index thing, right? Now you have this. These are prices of car bank, right? Price of car, price of eco bank, price of uh, let me use three of them, right? So price of pharma, price of pharma, right? Let me use three of them for primitive purposes, okay? And so let's assume that these are the only companies listed on the exchange. So we have Alpha. Now, the index, at the end of the day, we ask ourselves, what is the average price across? Do you get it, please? So the price, P cal plus P echo. Divided by three. So that will form the day's what? 
performance of the market. Do you get a great? So when you meet me on the Wall Street or the High Street, and we are all interested on the stock market, and you ask me, hey, how did the market perform? I'm not going to tell you, Farmer performed this way, uh, Ecobank performed, it will be a waste of time. It will be what? Waste of time. But then I'm looking for the average performance. So I'll say, hey, the market did very well today because all the firms on there, right, appreciated in value. So the average price also went up. So that is the index. That is what? The index. So the index gives you a general overview of how the market performs. Now, some will have their price going down. Maybe let's assume that Ecobank had its price going down. Uh, what do you call Carbank had its price was going up. Farmer also had its price going up. So majority of what? The shares of the market had their price going up. So the tendency that, you know, the, the average will go up is very high. And of course, depending on sometimes the index, we may have to calculate it based on the weight of the company. So those ones that are big ones, big companies, when their price goes up, that index goes up. And then when those ones that are smaller, when their price goes up, the price does not, the change is not that much. So we have two types of the index. We have price-weighted index, which depends on companies that have been selling at higher price. And then we have value-weighted index, which give priority to companies that have bigger market capital. Do you get it, please? So the Ghana's index is value-weighted which means that companies that are big in terms of their market capital on the exchange, when their price changes, there's a tendency that our index will change much. Do you get it, please? So effectively, that is what the index is about. And so we measure the market performance based on what? The index. Okay? Now, if you are a portfolio manager, and you want to be concerned, right? You want to, you know, buy the company's shares and then relax. Okay? Buy shares and then relax. Then it means that you have to buy the index. Okay. The index. But the index is also selling at a price. Then it means the index, you are, you are more or less, you buy the index, it means you are more or less owning all the assets on the exchange, so you diversify it. Yeah. Do you get it, please? Yes, but then, if you are a manager, portfolio manager, and you think you can, you can analyze very well, you have very good quantitative background, like I said here, you have very good you know, um, analytical background, and then you can easily project, right? Then you have to do what we call Active management. And active management means, okay, I'm on this company's trade. On the exchange, I can pick only carbon, but I know carbon can perform more than the index. Because, you know, this is an average, right? And for an average, you can have some performing above the average, some below one. Yeah, average. But I'm going to make my choice based on what? My, you know, analytical ability to select one company. And I will invest in that company. But most of the time, 
Managers who are not analytical, you know, that's the index word, investment. Okay? So that is the communication. Sir, help me here. Um, I now understand why one of the best stock companies in the last maybe 30 years, for the first time this year, had to exit, and that was Mechanical Lodge. Mm -hmm. This year, they, and that is a, a car company, because they, yeah, so early this year, they had to move out of the stock exchange. But my question is, when you look at, so Fanmo, for example, Fanmo has been awesome in the last 20 years. Sure. But you know, last year, currently, their shares is less than 1.50, 1, 1 CD 50 pesos. And last year, especially, it was below 1 CD. And my issue, before last year, they were a little over 23, 33 uh, Ghana CDs per share. So what happens in a day? Because MTN is now 1.1. What happens, is it the span of the months and the years? Because can we just get up tomorrow and we know Ecobank's share is 10, is 10 Ghana cities, knowing it's 7 now. What makes it 10, 10 Ghana cities in the next day? Or will it be a lot? Will it take a span? Okay, very good question. So that is one. And the next one, is the next one is, let me go to America. The next one is, so, how does a stock work in America? Because you, you, you get up and you know, uh, when what the heroes, we had Ronaldo just shifted something, then Coca-Cola's stocks went down by four billion. How does it work? Okay, so you want to know why? I want to understand. You want, to, you, want, you want to understand, you know, the demand and supply of shares on the market, isn't it? Yes. Right. Now, the market trades from Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday, right? You get it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what is happening is that if you take a typical company, a typical company, so let's assume that this is a company. There are two things that drives the price of the company. Okay? That is information in the company. So when there's an information within the company and it spills to the surroundings, okay? And it's a good information. It's a good information. It has a tendency of propelling the price up because People will start, investors will start demanding shares of that company. You get it, please? Now, however, it takes some time before all information comes out. Why? Let's assume the board has met in June, July. Okay, they took a decision to maybe expand the company's operations. Right? It's a good news. But the board has seen the dynamics and they've taken that decision. Now, this decision that the board has taken has to be operationalized. Do you get it? So, that is going to be operationalized, and then that maybe will build up into sales, sales growth. Now, when the sales start growing, right, and the company start reaping the profit, okay, you will see from the company's balance sheet that uh, profit has been declared.
part of it will be paid as dividend to shareholders. So consistently, the company's earnings has been growing. Then that gives or motivate potential investors to demand the shares. But that will be at the end of the year. But that is when we do AGM and all those figures come out. You get it? But before that, the market has several players sitting around the company, sniffing what is around the company. While the investors are listening among themselves, right? And then also monitoring, you know, what is happening within the company. What they do is that they react more with what is happening with other investors. So I've heard that you bought shares in this company. So uh, maybe you might have certain information I don't have. I also go and buy shares. But I know that I'm looking at you. I mean, like this guy understands the market very well. So I mean, he's bought shares in this company. I also buy shares in this company. Analysts day to day follow the companies. And they bring out information. Ah, we've heard this company has bought a helicopter for their boss, right? We, 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 I mean, shareholder, uh, should I go and buy shares in that company? Let me wait. I mean, Ghana, which CEO will be driving, will be you know, flying helicopter? Do you get it, please? So all this is will be information around the company. But the inside information comes out, the board decision and all those, build up into maybe quarterly information, that, quarterly report and all those things that comes out. Do you get it? So all this information unfolding among investors and then from inside a company and then coming out to the public, you know, most of the time, determine the demand and supply of what? The shares. And demand and supply will determine the price, isn't it? Yes. Then you have the share price reacting. So that is when you will see that over time, the share price, you know, moves anywhere, anyhow, random, without any pattern. That's objective. Because you cannot determine the number of those who are going to sell, the number of those who are going to, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Buy in a particular day. Depend on the information. And especially when the shareholder space is well spread. Do you get it? So you see that price reaction, you know, demand and supply, moving the price from its equilibrium up and down, then you know going up that way in that direction over time. Okay. Now another thing is what determine apart from the demand and supply determination of price, what actually also determines price is at the end of the year when the company declared earnings, right? What proportion of the earnings are being earned by the shareholders? So we call something earnings per share. Earnings per what? Share. Earnings per so that brings about the true value of the company at the end of the year. Do you get it? The true value of the company at the end of the year. So we compare the current price of the company to that of what? The earnings per share. Okay? And then if there's a deviation, then we'll say that, hey, the market did not really, you know, determine what the value, what the company stands for. You get it, please? So, normally, sometimes the market can overvalue the company. Or sometimes the market can undervalue the company. When the market undervalues the company, and the board realizes that the company values is more than what the company's value is more than what the market perceived, right? They buy back their shares. Do you get it? They buy back their shares just to trigger some demand of what? Their own shares. 
bring my own 10 shares and say, okay, I'm fine. Five. You get it. So that's how the market operates. Okay? So all the dynamics that you see on the market is about the and supply. So normally the buyback is determined by any special at the end of the year. Then they compare to the market determination of the price. Then you know. So, so ways in which management may not act in the interest of the, the, the firm is when they don't put in sufficient effort. They don't put in sufficient effort. So insufficient effort in the oversight of subordinates. Right. And then unpleasant or inconvenient to cut costs, to cut costs. Because, you know, management sometimes, when they are operating at a certain cost level, and you want them to cut costs, they don't want to. Do you get it? And then also over commitment to other activities. Because sometimes you have a manager, this thing, this thing happens in Ghana. Man. You can have a manager that is, you know, more or less uh, is a leader in church, right? So the time that you're supposed to commit to the company, you realize that it's going for, you know, church activities. Do you get the place? Now immediately you become a manager, the society sees you to be somebody the most wisest person, right? So they try to engage you in so many things. All these things have a tendency of influencing the manager's performance. Okay. Then, extravagant investment. They do pet projects and empire building. So, what they do is that sometimes <coughs> the projects that they are doing are influenced by some cronies. They are not necessarily a project that the company needs. You get it. So because it is part of a certain group, and the interest is what is in that group, okay, the project is coming to do will benefit that group more than the company. Do you get it, please? So effectively, and that is what is happening with corporate data as we speak now. Most of the allocations we do in this country, most of the projects that we do, are mainly influenced by what somebody will get from it whether it's satisfying the family somewhere. Do you get what I'm saying, please? Whether it's going to create a job for, you know, a nephew somewhere, that's where they stay to put money. But meanwhile, maybe the production from that investment is not what Ghana needs. Do you get the place? So there's a tendency. And then entrenchment strategies. They keep old-fashioned of methods that they use to execute activities. So keep old-fashioned technology which they are good at. They don't want to invest in any new, you know, technology to enhance the company's, you know, capabilities. And then they lobby a lot for legal environment that will limit shareholders. Okay? These are some They do self-dealings. That is one of the recent corporate scandals in this country. Increase in private benefit. Pick successes among peers. So you see that even the state owned institutions, when a VC is going, the pro VC becomes a, a, the next vice chancellor. Do you get it? When the president is going, the next person who will take over is the vice president. When the 
uh, a CEO is leaving, the next person that will take over is you know, a friend who is coming from somewhere else. That is very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. But the, when there's corruption in that chain, right, consistently, it will prevail. You get a place. So that is what we call the self-dealings. You know. Let's select costly suppliers on friendship or kinship grounds. So when a friend is supplying something and they are competition, there's competition to beat down the cost or maybe again to cut down the cost of supplies, they won't do it because that's a friend that is supplying Do you get it, please? These are all self-dealings. Then the wife might be supplying. You know, if the wife is supplying, you know, you can negotiate very well on it. You get a place, effectively, you know, it can affect the company's you know, share value. And then self-dealings can reach illegal level. Where, you know, debris of employees' pension sometimes. You don't pay employees pension. Some companies don't pay, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. And then below market price asset sales. So when the company has a car they want to dispose it of, they don't put it to a, on the market. Even if they put it on the market, they, will, they know who to buy it. Yeah. Do you get a place? So these are all things that... And then lack of transparency. So for a typical dysfunctional corporate governance, right, you're going to see this. Lack of transparency. There's no transparency. So investors and stakeholders imperfectly informed, so information asymmetry in a black box, you know, about the level of compensation for top management. We don't talk about their pay. You get it. Then you should know that it's a, it's a dysfunctional or corporate governance environment. You get a place? And then limit transparency of managerial stock options. So if managers are being awarded based on a certain target, you don't announce them. Perks are also offering outside the reach of investors' control. So investors' reaction will be that they will sell. So maybe the company has bought aircraft. The CEO's high family and friends bought important positions, right? You know. Then what is going to happen? People will start selling their shares in this company. Ghana now, if you put Ghana on the stock exchange, a lot of people sell their shares. You know, do you get it, please? Because you, as a shareholder, you're giving up on the country. Oh, long term. <laughs> do you get it? Because of some of these things happening. Right, so, mechanisms to ensure that managers act to the interest of uh, the shareholders. So, we talked about incentives, they give them a golden parachute. Golden parachute is a mechanism which is very, very important. What they do is that at the point of hiring a manager, the manager is made aware that you are entitled to this money if the company share price is at, is at this level anytime you are leaving. You get a place? That is what we reward you as you are leaving. So every manager, you don't wait for the, the company to be doing well, uh, to be performing bad before you leave. And one of the, the, the one of the clauses that uh, we know is what made Moreno move from, you know, uh, Chelsea to Real Madrid at a point where Chelsea was doing very well on top of the table. Mm. He just moved because there was a clause for him to benefit. Do you get it? 
me. Then he moved, he took that money and then, you know, mm -hmm. went to another top club. So that's what we call the golden parachute or severance contract, where, you know, the, the managers are rewarded based on the level that they leave the company. Okay, they take some incentives on that. And then performance-based incentives, which we've talked about, is bonus and salaries. Threat of firing, we've talked about it. Threat of takeover, we've talked about it. And then you can also have monetary incentives, so those are the bonuses, stock options, and all that. But then there is something we call, um, um, these are incentive-based, so I don't want to talk about them. Street of, um, street of stock shares, I think I've explained that one earlier. This is where I'm coming to. Implicit incentives. So there's an inward incentive that, you know, the manager must be motivated to perform because of this inward, you know, incentives. One of them is threat of bankruptcy. If the company should go bankrupt, as a manager, nobody will hire you for managing a company to bankruptcy. Do you get it, please? Nobody will hire you for managing a company to bankruptcy. If you like, do a survey of those who are the, you know, those who are working at CBD. What the world, how many banks went into CBD? Six, five. Let's say five. Those who are working at that bank, genuinely, if they should apply to another bank, the kind of scrutiny they will give them, or possibly no, they will not even give you the job. Do you get what I'm saying? That kind of work, reputational protection, is needed. And then, natural concern about keeping their job is also an incentive to make sure that you send something good to the shareholder. Tight external monitoring, less complacent board, and then threat of dismissal, interference resulting from poor performance and failure and seek to hide compensation. So if you manage a company, it gets to a certain level. You attain a certain fame. If you move to a different company, your people are visited. So these are all incentive, implicit incentives that will make the manager perform to the interests of our shareholders. Okay. Thank you very much for the time. Um, Thank you. So, so, so you are clapping because I closed early. No, 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 The delivery. The delivery. Fantastic. Right. So next week we'll continue, okay?